and welcome to The Unsub is a White Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we're back with another Criminal Minds recap. We sure are. Uh, did you remember this one going into it? Not really. Yeah, me neither. I'm having like a string of those. I feel like it peaked in like with the 100th episode this season. Well, and, and then there's this huge swath that my memory is totally blocked out. Well, then there's like Uncanny Valley, which yeah. is a really good one. Yeah. And then a couple of forgettable ones. And then like the next one coming up is amazing. Yeah, that's true. Like, so I think it was just there's too many standouts. Yeah. The ones in between, you just don't remember them at all. Yeah. Well, we are discussing Public Enemy, which originally aired February 10th, 2010. And I got to say, you know, they strike a real tone with this woman at the beginning here. Like, you're obviously supposed to feel a certain way about her, right? Yeah. Like, shrill, wife, mother, nag, all those things. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, it's all right. Let's just let's get into it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's a family. They're showing up at church a little bit late. Mm-hmm. Um, they go up and take communion. The mom's just a real shrew. Like, yeah, she's yelling at them for being late and taking so long. And the dad makes a joke and she accuses him of like giving their daughter a complex about her weight or something. Like, yeah, because he, like, picks her up and he's like, oh, you're heavy or something like yeah. that. And it's like, yeah, kids are heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, obviously not of ill intent, but she takes it there and she's just, like, shushing and rushing and everything, like, the whole time they're in church. Which, on one hand, it's like, yeah, but then on the other hand, it's like, she probably, like, has been trying to get everybody out the door for like sure. the last 45 minutes and is yeah. just ready to kill them And the all. dad is just like a man child who doesn't really do anything yeah. to help her get I'm just them like anywhere. trying to remember like the, or like putting your, like myself in the mental state that my mom was probably in right. by the time she got all of us out the door at right, church right. on Sunday morning. She was and probably well, like, they, I'm just going to kill you all. That's why this is so annoying, right? Because they, they like, it's obviously written from a man's perspective, right? Like, if a mom had written this, it <laughs> would not be this tone. Yeah. She would not be the Through bad guy. a lens with a little bit more sympathy. <laughs> right, exactly. And so it just, I don't know, it annoyed me right from the beginning with all of that. Yeah, um, so they go up, they take communion, um, and it's a Catholic church, mm-hmm. so you have to, like, go up and then do the whole rigmarole and then come back (laughs) spoken like a true catholic emily you don't just sit in your seat and they pass the plate like (laughs) no no only the priest can touch it and hand it to you yeah um but yeah they come back they sit back down in the meantime a guy whose face we can't see so obviously bad news Uh comes in and sits in the pew behind them Mm -hmm. um he just puts on gloves so obviously obviously another another red flag flag. Mm -hmm. um and the mom and the little girl are like arguing because the girl's playing with her doll, and the mom's like, "We're supposed to be praying." Yes. Which is another like, <laughs> yeah, I can remember those days. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, the man just like reaches around behind the dad and slits his throat, and then just gets up and leaves. Yeah, and like it's a pretty gory scene. It is. Like, yeah, you, it's you very see graphic. All of it. The little girl is there watching this whole thing happening too, which is uh, quite disturbing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's a lot. The priest comes like, running he, down. Yeah. Like, what do you even do in that situation? Like, the mom, like, takes the girl away, away yeah. you know? But it's, like, how... You just feel awful, like, being in that situation where you're, like, what do I do? I got to get my kid out of here, but I have to be with my husband. Like, yeah, like, but my husband happening? is obviously dying. And yeah. I, I, I was mad because the priest didn't even, like, apply pressure to the wound. 
You know, like I know it's futile with this kind of injury. But, but like, wouldn't that be your? Wouldn't that know. be your go-to? That feels like that would just be like your instinct, right? Even just to like cover it up so you don't have to look at <laughs> right. it, right? Like something, but he does not, and I don't know. Yeah, I guess I was just annoyed with everything about this episode from the beginning, so I wasn't cutting them any slack. Uh, so we learn that this man is the third victim to have his throat slashed in a public place in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, they describe him as a decorated war hero just back from his third tour in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, the first victim was a man who was killed in a restaurant bathroom, um, which JJ describes as a local place with white tablecloths and jug wine. And I do not <laughs> understand the type of place she's describing. <laughs> it's like, And she says it so like, you know, like one of those places. Yeah. Like, what? What? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I cannot picture this place in my head. I no. really cannot. I mean, I can, but it doesn't, it's not, not like a familiar place. Yeah. Right? It just. I'm like, I can picture just a place with white tablecloths and they're drinking, like jug wine, like. Like jugs of wine that like they Arbor leave on Mist? the table? Or like <laughs> Lambrusco? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like, I just, I don't. Um, yeah, like if you if, if you can describe this place better to us, <laughs> let us know what this place is. Because if I'm, you've been to one of these local places, we'd love to hear about it. We do not have one. No. Uh, the second victim was a woman who was killed in a laundromat, and all they know is that it's a white young-ish dude. Which they do have a sketch, but we know how helpful and accurate those sketches yeah. are, and we don't get a good look at the sketch ourselves. No. So uh, they know better. <laughs> they know it's a bad sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hotch fears that this could be the start of a spree. Mm, it seems like, like it's already, it already a spree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. How many murders does a spree make? I right? think. Because isn't it like it has to be within a certain time frame? So oh, they think yeah. it's going to keep ramping up. But like, I would call this a spree. This seems very spree-ish. I, yeah. <laughs> I'd say three makes like one is bad. Two, maybe a coincidence. Three, officially a spree. Yeah, that's, you're on a spree at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, and we know once the BAU gets there, they're going to escalate the timeline. So yes. it'll be a really speedy spree soon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get some facts about spree killers. They're always male school shooters or middle-aged men. Mm-hmm. Um, they worry that he's practicing for like a big mass murder yeah. situation. Um, Hotch hands out the assignments as they arrive in Rhode Island and Rossi heads straight to the church and talks like, to the priest. Of course they people. send Rossi to the priest. <laughs> um, and the priest really just doesn't want the church to be closed down because he says that, you know, like that's, this is the place that should be available for the congregation mm. to seek solace and yeah. everything. And he wants it to be opened back up. Um, so then we meet Detective Jake Moreland, who expected the BAU to be more than two people. <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about it, if I was expecting an elite FBI team to show up to help me solve this crime and Hotch and Reed walked <laughs> in, I would also be immediately like, oh, man, disappointed. We're in trouble. Like on site, I would yeah. just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> like at least like. Like JJ Morgan, like like the sheer JJ volley. looks efficient. Like the rest of them having him in there, like yeah. Hotch doesn't look super official. Or like Hotch looks, looks official like, but not approachable. So you'd be like, great, yeah. how am I going to work with this guy? And Reed, like is Reed's such not going to be kicking down any doors. Right. Like at least like Morgan and Prentice look like badasses. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like they and look Morgan, like people who are going to take down a bad guy. Right. And um, I really appreciated this was the first episode this season. I noticed how specific Morgan's facial hair grooming is getting. Like it's it was very. <laughs> Very complicated. Well yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he's like the guy in the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> it's working up to it's when getting there. there. Yeah. What is his name? Uh, I almost said Wes Craven. Wes <laughs> Bentley is that? Yeah. Who that is? Oh yeah. I yeah. Was say Wes Craven too. It's like no, that's not right. No. Um, so yeah, Reed tells the detectives some stuff that we already know, and Hotch calls Garcia to find out about public events happening in Providence, and she lists off a bunch of them, and they sound boring. Yeah. If- well, this is a pretty big city area, like. Yeah. Have you been to Providence? No, I've never been. I've always wanted to. It's a cute little town. Yeah. Um, But it just seems like there'd be stuff going on all the time. It sounds like a list of stuff that's like happening in our town. Right. (laughs) Which is like (laughs) tiny. Yeah. Not that our town isn't great, but still tiny. So I don't understand how you would be able to go go to some city like that. I'd expect bigger, more like a diverse you know, yeah. array of events to but be it happening in a state like capital. Dozens and dozens and dozens of things going on all the plus not even special events, but just like places where people congregate. Yeah. Like so many that I it's mean, one not of them is worth like, But and and they're like, well it has to be like a big event. We need to find a big event. And it's like so far you've had somebody killed in a laundromat. Right. Somebody who's killed in a restaurant bathroom and somebody who's killed at church. Those right. are all very mundane yeah. non I mean, a church is a public event, but it's not but a it's special still, it's a, event. It's a regular Sunday mass. They happen like multiple times a day every weekend. Yeah. And there's so, probably just a ton of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A Catholic church in Rhode Island. Unheard <laughs> yeah. of. They, in, each, in a mid-Atlantic state. Right? <laughs> each one of these parishes probably has like six masses a weekend. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I'm like, none of these are... And They're just, very commonplace. And that should be even more terrifying than a special event because how do you... Like, you can't track every single regular yeah. daily occurrence. Because it's easy to just not go to a street fair. Right. And just say, oh, I'm not comfortable. Like, there have been some murders. I don't want to go to a place right. that's like... you know. But this is just like... A store you have to go to. Right, right. Like going to the grocery store or something. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do your laundry. (laughs) Right, but they don't say it's that. It's not every day. It's special. Yeah. Special stuff. Um, A man lights a cigarette in the next scene that we Mm -hmm. see near a bus stop that's occupied by a woman. We see a scar on his hand. Yes. So we know this must be someone bad. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, We only see the silhouette. You don't Mm -hmm. really see his face Mm -hmm. or anything. And I just need you to know... That my note here says, this man has no chin. Look at this McPoyle looking son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Which will come, we'll to come later. back to that later. <laughs> I needed you to know that, that was my first impression of this man. Uh, but yeah, he puts the gloves on, so you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Um, and he pulls out a knife, but she gets on the bus and he just kind of waves creepily as yeah. she walks away. And at first I was like, oh no, he's going to kill her. And then I was like, oh no, he's going to get on the bus. Yeah. Because that's like even worse. But then I was like, they already did a bus mass murder. They're not going to do that again. (laughs) Not again so soon. Yeah. Uh, JJ and Morgan dodge the press that has congregated outside the Collins home, the family from the opening scene, and make their way in to talk to his wife, Meg. Um, I was trying to figure out where I knew her from, and she was also on The Following. I know. I was going to say that. <laughs> Spray Graydon, also from The Following. Yeah. And a bunch of other a stuff. A bunch of she other stuff. In, like Grey's Anatomy and a bunch of other things. Yeah. Some episodes of Law and Order. But it was, uh, it was the... Uh, yeah. 
We're really just going to have to do. <laughs> right? I guess that's what our Patreon will be. I just make you watch a whole season. <laughs> we can just take turns. You watch the first season the following. I'll watch the first season of The Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> and then we just recap the whole season. I guess we know what the Patreon is now. It's still called No Thanks, Nate, but I won't complain about him. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, Meg shoes Sophia, the little girl, away from the window and tells JJ that she spent years waiting for the news that Paul had died while he was serving overseas mm -hmm. and is just very clearly traumatized by this whole experience. Yeah, but again, they're be? like trying to make her like seem off-putting. And it, it's yeah, weird. Right. This woman I don't like the has tone. been a single mom while her military husband has been deployed. He's literally just gotten home. Yeah. And now he's murdered in front of her and her small child. At and there's church. In at a church. place you're supposed to feel yeah, safe. Yeah. And they're still like... Like, what a bitch. Yeah. She's like, this one's kind of a jerk. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I think she's no. going through some stuff. Yeah. She doesn't want her minor child having her picture taken through the window by these asshole photographers and yeah. stuff. And they're like, see, she's yelling at her kid again. Yeah. Like, no. <sighs> so the priest says that he knows all of his parishioners, but he didn't know the unsub. Um, which mm. it's like, can you pay attention to that many people? No. We already know I'm not observant. I know. Like, I'm definitely not. I'm, like, face blind. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I would notice somebody who, like, walked into the back. If Especially if I was up in front of people having to talk to them, I would just be, like, in the white room. <laughs> just blacked out completely. Um, Meg tells Morgan that the unsub came in during communion. Sophia says that she... Uh, tells JJ that she took the unsub's hand or shook the unsub's hand during some point during, during the service. This, during the um, the sign of peace. Yeah, that's Everyone what she calls it. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Yeah. That was not a thing that and I And you know. shake strangers' hands. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was like, the peace? Okay, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Meg says that they took communion, came back to the pew, and that while she was talking to Sophia, the unsub leaned forward, killed Paul, and then left. Mm. And then tells Morgan that she needs a break and walks out of the room. Um, she lasted so, a lot longer than I would have. Yeah. Um, JJ says that she wants to stay with uh, Meg and Sophia, and Morgan is like, uh, this guy doesn't sound psychotic. He sounds mm. very calculated and patient. Yeah. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Prentice and Detective Moreland meet up at the laundromat. She notes that he discards his weapons, unlike most spree killers who, like, she does her, like, Prentice thing where she just, like, has to, like... Overly analyze. Yeah, like, over... Yeah. And, like, use, like... Way too flowery language. Yeah. It's like most pre killers venerate their weapons yeah. or something. And you're like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like vehicular rape. Right. <laughs> it's just one of those comments where you're like, tone it down, print <laughs> <laughs> uh, But uh, they decide that if it's not about the victim or the weapon, what could it be? Hmm. Huh. So then Rossi shows up and he's like, it's about the location. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's the only thing. Mm -hmm. um, they say that each location has history within the community. The laundromat? The laundromat. I'm like, sure. Church? church? I buy it. Mm -hmm. A very popular local restaurant that's mm -hmm. been around forever. Absolutely. Yeah. A laundromat? Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Maybe a personal history, but not a place that's important to the community. Yeah. And they said it all comes from a deep hatred for the city itself. Like, mm. yeah. But then as we get further into this episode, we know that that's not true. So this whole motive is. Yeah. It's, it stays as, I don't know, for lack of a better word, as cockamamie as it starts. Right. Yeah. That's all I can think of when I think of this motive. Like, this is. 
Yeah, Prentice says that he like she's like, oh, he wants to scar the city and ruin beloved places mm-hmm. like the laundromat. Right. And Rossi's like, no, no, it's about the public outrage because the outrage lets him relive his crimes. Mm. I Look, guess nobody through. loves going to the laundromat. No, no one. No. Okay. There's nothing <laughs> at the laundromat for anyone. Um, and then Rossi's like, I gotta show you something. And I was like, they're gonna take a silent car ride now. Yeah. They do. They do. Um, so they, uh, the, uh, there's a bunch of cops that are eating at the diner that's like across, you mm-hmm. know, there's always a diner across the street from the police station right. where they mm-hmm. all hang out. Uh, the diner cook says he's stepping out for a smoke and we see him watching Rossi walk into the police station across like, the street. like, oh man, the BAU is staring our unsub right in the face and they don't oh, even don't know even it. Know. Uh, so JJ and Sophia um, are having a tea party and Meg brings her some real coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, JJ tells her all about Henry and Rossi calls to tell JJ that they're ready to deliver the profile, but he needs her to do something. Mm-hmm. And JJ has to tell Meg that the unsub might be watching their house. Yeah. And Meg's Meg. like, well, if he is, he's not going to shake my daughter's hand this time. Mm-hmm. You're like, go Meg. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like nobody's worried enough about this little girl either. Like she just watched her dad bleed out on the floor. Everyone's just like, and she seems so fine. Like, this little girl would be traumatized. Yeah. But hey, sure. Okay. Yeah. Have more yeah. tea parties. Then we get our profile. Go ahead and relax. Another <laughs> one where you could take a break. It, I have like a full page single space. It's such a long profile. <laughs> it's a very long profile. And it's a whole lot of nothing. Like, there, there's nothing. It's a lot of psychology and not a lot of here's how it's going to, this is going to help you narrow down who to look at. It's yeah. just like, here's why he's doing what he's doing. You're like, great. <laughs> Still doesn't help us find anyone. So, and it's a very, very long, long metaphor, right? They're going to liken him to someone else, and they're going to just beat that horse to death. Yes. We suggest you think of this unsub not as a slasher, but as an arsonist, because the gratification he's getting isn't from the physical act of murder, but from the public's reaction. Arsonists draw attention to themselves through the fires they set. The location they choose is highly symbolic to them. While this unsub will never set an actual fire, he has the same psychosis as one who does. Our unsub fits that model. His locations have been pillars of the community. The victims he picks aren't as important as the effects of killing them outside their favorite restaurant or place of worship. Then we flash to our unsub who's lighting a cigarette in like a street fair farmer's market. Yeah, it's like a big farmer's market situation. By picking locales with the highest visibility, he's creating a fear in that neighborhood, which reinforces his feelings of power. And But then the local guy's like, yeah, but arsonists don't set out to hurt people. This guy clearly does. That's true. And this unsub definitely falls into the category of sociopath. His victims are there only to achieve his goal. He doesn't have the ability to empathize with them. To him, they're just tools for him to use, no different than a can of gasoline and a match. It's like, let the arsonist thing go, folks. Um... And then we see a lady on her cell phone at the market who we're like, oh, no, is she the next target? He's going to, like, follow her. But even how he kills tells us something. Slashing the throat is a messy visual act. It's designed to create attention just like a fire. Arsonists are often mission-based. They need to make sure their first fire is out before they set another one. They're also highly disciplined and focused. If the conditions aren't right to set a fire, or in this case, slash a throat, they'll move on. 
In addition to his need to kill, he has self-control. There's a short cooling-off period because he's enjoying what he's doing. This, in turn, feeds his ego and keeps him covering his tracks. This makes him even more dangerous. If he gets frustrated, encounters too many obstacles, or suffers a blow to his narcissistic ego, he could go on an all-out rampage. And then everyone's phones and beepers are starting to go off. Focus on men between jobs. Instead of working consistently, he's hunting his next location. And he's revisiting his old scenes. We recommend you, and then Hotch gets the call. Yeah. I don't, I hate the arsonist thing, because mm-hmm. it's like, like, they do all the psychology thing, but like, that is not what these cops need. Right. And, like, the, like just, the, the only piece of information they give them is to look for someone who's in between jobs. How? That's literally, yeah, that's the only pe- like piece of, like, tangible advice mm-hmm. they give them, and you're like... You're in a large city. Right. There's going to be a lot of people who are between jobs. Right. A dude who is in between jobs. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's it. And, and the whole rest of it is just the psychology of an arsonist, which we don't fucking need. Yeah. It's None of so that is annoying. helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not at all. And it's so long-winded and, yeah, just unnecessary. And then when they get to the we recommend you, which would be actual pieces of advice, they're interrupted by yeah. the news of another killing. So uh, it's just it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we're back uh, back to that woman that we saw him following through the mm. farmer's market. Um, she chats with a flower vendor, and he puts on his gloves and pulls out his knife. Um, so... Uh, J- Hutch tells JJ to go follow the press and she wants to stay with uh, Megan Sophia, but he's like, uh, you have a job to do. Yeah. It's not to be their therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then get an actual therapist who would probably be better than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Rossi and Moreland go looking for creepy onlookers while Prentice looks for the knife. Uh, I love that. So Prentice calls, is talking to Rossi on the phone, and Rossi tells her to follow the blood trail. I'm like, Prentice needs you to point out that she should follow the trail of blood? Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, thanks, Rossi. <laughs> uh, JJ does some, like, wheeling and dealing with a news anchor to get the press to, like, lay off until, and, like, promises them an exclusive or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that the woman wasn't the target. He killed the flower vendor, yes. actually. She tells Morgan that some random man was helping, shouting for everyone to get help, like, right after he got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, Prentice finds the unsub's clothes in the dumpster, and Rossi realizes the unsub is probably still there at the farmer's market mm-hmm. somewhere. And they're going to match... The unsub's body type to, to the, the clothes. clothes. Yeah. Like, you guys love a needle in a haystack. Yes. Like, we, we need to find They're a like, lanky white man. <gasps> We're looking for a man with a 32 waist. Yes. <laughs> 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 like, excuse me, sir, can I measure your inseam? Yeah. <laughs> Let me check the tag on your pants, please. Yes. Uh, so a cop follows a man back into an alley, and it is... Ryan McPoyle. Yes. <laughs> he turned around and I was like, yeah, It's a McPoyle. <laughs> Which, as soon as I saw him, I was like, I'm no longer threatened by you. It's yeah. <laughs> an unsub. <laughs> like, you're just a goon. Uh, but that yeah. That is one of my all-time favorite episodes of It's Always Sunny, where they ho- the McPoyles hold them hostage in the bar. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, so, he's the kid from the diner. His name is apparently Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, the cops tell him that they have to keep everyone here. And Connor's like, oh, okay, well, I was just going to... Uh, and then he stabs him and then runs away. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the team discusses the difference in Officer Liddy's murder. There's no audience stabbing versus slashing um, and realized that it was like not a planned thing. Yeah. It was just to like cover his ass basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Rossi says that they really need to draw the unsub out and to let him know that one of his attacks didn't have the attended effect on the location. And Prentice is like, which one of the locations is the most symbolic though? They're like, Really? <laughs> really? Is it the laundromat or the restaurant with the jug wine or the farmer's market? Or is it maybe the giant cathedral? <laughs> Which one could it be? There's no way to tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in true BAU fashion, mm-hmm. they want to use the war hero's funeral as a trap. Yes. <laughs> And, and they can't understand why this widow is not into the idea. Yeah. Uh, so just so typical of mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. So they, you know, JJ is, you know, sent to go deliver this message to Meg, who mm-hmm. tells her to just fuck right off yeah. with that dumbass <laughs> idea. Um, and I was like, you know what, Meg, I like you. <laughs> um, and it turns out that the mayor has also told the BAU to just go ahead and fuck right off uh-huh. with their idea because he's not having any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hodge and Rosie are like, Oh, man, well, (laughs) maybe he's enjoying the officer's grief some other way. Um, And they ask Moreland where all the cops hang out. Uh, Over at the diner, we see the cops all drinking their spiked coffee, and they tell Connor that they think the killer is nothing but a coward. Mm. They're like, oh, this won't come back to bite you. (laughs) Certainly, this is going to go over very well. Uh, so Garcia has all the employee records for the places where the cops hang out. Uh-huh. Yes. They're looking <laughs> for a young white male from a single mother household with a history of trauma and a juvenile record. Mm-hmm. And there's just one. His name is Connor O'Brien. <laughs> and they're like, and he's right across the street. <laughs> uh, so they run over and the cops are all like, oh, Connor just left a few minutes ago to get a smoke. I think they they say like 10 minutes ago. Like he stepped out like 10 minutes ago for a smoke. You're like, like, that doesn't take that long. Yeah. And well, he's he's clearly run away. He's the only person working there at the moment. Like, I would like to add that he is working at a job. Right. So the one piece of advice that they gave them to find this guy is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was actually working extremely consistently because he tells the cop who tries to catch him at the farmer's market that he has to go to work. Yeah. And that's why he can't stick around. And we've seen him multiple times at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Um, So obviously, since the officers disparaged him, he's gone off to go kill somebody else. Mm -hmm. You're like, probably Meg, because she had speaking lines (laughs) at some point. Um, Hotch sends Morgan, Rossi, and the SWAT team to Connor's house. He obviously is not there because they're never there. Right. (laughs) Has there ever been a time... When if they've you gone to were raid the apartment, from the cops, like he knows the cops are after him. That's why he left work. Why would he go home? They were just saying how he's calculating and patient. They think he's just going to go home and wait for them to show up. I don't know. What are they thinking? This is such a waste of time. They do it every time. Yeah. Um, so Prentice does find a shrine to his mother in Connor's house and a family photo with his dad's face scratched out. Mm-hmm. Very symbolic there. Yeah. Uh, we learned that Billy O'Brien was an arsonist. Mm. Uh, who killed his wife in a fire Mm -hmm. and remains in prison currently. And so it almost seems like maybe all of these crimes have nothing to do with the hatred of the city and hatred of one very specific family member. Yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Connor walks through the library and has flashbacks about his dad being terrible and not giving him enough time to check out a book. <laughs> Forget that he killed his mom. He's I know. not even letting him pick out a book sh- at the library. Let, him, let the boy pick out a book. <laughs> Jeez. So he approaches a woman with a little boy in a stroller and pulls it's out like, a knife. No, and you're like, no, please, can you just... the baby in the stroller. Yeah. Uh, the mom is dead, we yeah. find out, but the mm-hmm. little boy is fine. Um, Rossi tells everyone uh, to tell them that tell everyone that she's alive and that they're organizing a vigil for her to draw him back to the scene. And and like, they, did you clear this with this woman's family? Yeah, and again, like, so you thought the funeral plan was bad. They're like, we're gonna double down. Yeah, <laughs> and as we deliver the news to this husband that his wife was killed in front of their infant, um, we're gonna have to pretend she's alive. Yeah, for for uh, police. Yeah. purposes. But the mayor was fine with this, I guess. Right. <laughs> Not the other one, but this one. Could you be Are you lying more to the mayor? In, insensitive to the victims and their it's, families. It is mind-boggling. Could you think of something worse to do? And they like they trot this dead woman out on a gurney, like giving her chest compressions, pretending like she's I actually know. alive. I would like the whole time I was watching that, it was like this poor woman's family. Yes. This is horrible. This is horrifying. <laughs> and they're just like, it's the only way. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I think there are other ways. Like, can you guys be any worse at your jobs? Yeah. Um, so Meg arrives at the station and asks what she can do to help. Uh, Connor, meanwhile, goes to a convenience store for a pack of cigarettes and watches Hotch make a giant scene um, about mm-hmm. taking this woman onto the ambulance. Uh, and he's like, no, this is impossible. This is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Meg shows up on screen and asks people to attend the vigil. Mm. So here we the go. The BAU <laughs> and the local cops, having drawn a bunch of well-meaning people under a ruse of... Mm-hmm this woman still being alive to a place where they think the unsub is likely to show up and try to kill one of these people. Uh-huh. Uh, scan the crowd <laughs> looking for Connor. <laughs> I was like, what? You guys are horrible. Yes. <laughs> you guys yeah. are maybe the worst. So they're lying to the public. I'll take my chances with Ryan McPoyle. Thank right. you. <laughs> yeah. They're luring the public there. Yeah. Knowing that it's unsafe. Yes. Using them all as bait. Using all these their grief as bait. over this poor dead mother who mm-hmm. they think is still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is just absolutely horrible. Yeah. Like, who wrote this? You are a monster. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Connor shows up. They spot him immediately, and mm-hmm. Morgan chases him down. And Tackles him into a moving cab. Yes, he does. <laughs> Perfect. It's, it's a fan- that is, it's I amazing. I think we can just name that as the best Morgan tackle of the season. Yeah, seriously. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, Connor says that in jail he'll be respected because he keep her because he killed a cop. Mm. Like, okay, sure. Uh, on the plane, Prentice says it's bizarre the lengths that men will go to to outdo their fathers. And Reed's like, I just keep getting PhDs. <laughs> you're like, that's a good one, Reed. <laughs> but also, like, your dad's a successful lawyer. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> Actually, I don't think your dad's being owned by your like PhD in philosophy. No. <laughs> I'll show him. I'll get another useless degree. Yeah. Um, Morgan says that since they're from the same area, they'll probably end up in the same prison. Like, is that how that works? I don't think so. Do you go to prison based on proximity? I don't. I don't know how the I prison guess I don't system know works. <laughs> I thought though that like they tried to keep people apart if possible. Maybe not. Maybe I, that's only if you commit a crime together. You don't go to oh, the same maybe. prison. I have no idea. I don't really know either. 
Because like in Orange and the New Black, the right. one woman. I That's don't know true. if that was a realistic depiction of prison. I've mm. never been. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no firsthand experience. Nope, I've got nothing. Yeah. All of mine comes from TV shows. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, uh, seemingly end on a shot of life in Providence returning to normal, including Sophia's first communion Mm -hmm. and her opening a card with a $500 check from the team. And I have to ask, is that a thing? Do you get money and gifts for your first communion? You do. You get, you have like a whole party. I had like, kind of like a, like bat mitzvah situation yeah sort of but you're like seven or eight and there's like a cake and presents and i knew there was like because you have to go through like a class right yeah and there's like a whole ceremony and little girls wear like it's yeah you wear like the big white dress and everything white dress and like a veil and you have gloves and it's all very fancy i still have um the bible and rosary i got for my first holy communion nice yeah yeah it's like no one ever financially compensated me for taking communion i did not get a 500 hundred (laughs) dollar check i'm quite sure you added i may have probably got like 30 dollars and you were like i've never been rich i may have gotten a 50 dollar savings bond (laughs) like nothing that i could cash in on that day I mean, she seemed to be over the moon excited about that amount of money. Yeah, so I it seemed like it was, it, and that, it's Rossi, that, so that I'm was sure it's not, excessive. not a, a normal run of the mill First Holy Communion gift. You usually get something, but a bunch of little small things. But yeah, I just, like, yeah. I had friends that were Catholic and I knew, like, when they took their First Communion. Yeah. But, like, I did not, mm. like, was just not aware of yeah. any of that. I was trying to ask um, my daughter's friend because she was talking about something with uh I was driving with swim practice and she was talking about something at mass oh because she was talking about um taking communion and Willow was like do you uh do you really get to drink wine <laughs> she was like well it's watered down if they didn't we just all be totally drunk <laughs> Not quite. I was like, I don't think... I'm pretty sure that what that glass that everyone sips their wine out of is mostly backwash. That was also my question. I was like, do you all have to drink out of the same cup? You and do. I was like, yeah, you do. And I was like, that's disgusting. That's why I don't do it. Look, they wipe it off with a special cloth in between each sip, okay? <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that like... I Plus, know it's if filled that was with like, the Holy Spirit and that kills true. the germs. That's a, the, the strongest antiseptic, I right? believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like asking her all these questions. <laughs> My daughter's like, why are you so interested in communion? I'm like, no reason. <laughs> she had to explain to me that, uh, com- communion, first communion and a confirmation were two different things. Oh. I also thought that was Yeah. Yeah. Two different things. Many yeah. years apart. You get your first Holy Communion in like second grade and you get confirmed when you were a junior in high school. I was going to say, she said that was like high school. Yeah. Like the sad thing is, uh, my mom grew up Catholic and went to Catholic school her entire <laughs> life, and I am completely unaware. That's why, of any because of this. she was raised Catholic, and she was like, "I'm not She's like doing this to them." Back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bay is gonna be like, "What's a Jesus?" <laughs> when my son was like two, we got a hand-me-down T-shirt that had Yoda on it, and somebody asked him. He was like wearing it out, and somebody was like, uh, "Oh, do you know who that is on your shirt?" And he was like, "Jesus." <laughs> and I was like, "Close enough." <laughs> Um, but yeah, then, uh, it's not over. Mm -hmm. We get one last scene. Yeah. Um, and Connor and his father, who is some like, you know, big bad gang guy, Mm -hmm. uh, in Providence are reunited in prison and his dad's like, 
does your mom know you're here? And then uh, Connor kills him. And that's the end. That's, that's all there the is end. to it. He just stabs him. And there is no reaction to the stabbing. Nope. <laughs> Everyone just, just stands around and watches him do it. Yep. Well, uh, that McPoyle gives us another white man. If you'd like to start with statistics. The whitest of men. Yes. (laughs) Doesn't get whiter than a McPoyle. It does not. Um, We are 16 to 4 for season 5, so an even 80-20. Overall, that was our 100th white man. Wow. Of the series. Oh, the 100th white man that's Ryan McCall. Yes. 100 to 21, bringing us to an unbelievable 82.6, which I believe would round up overall to 83% white men. Um, so, yeah, the, there's there's where we're at. Uh, we're, we're what, like half a little over halfway through season five at this point, right? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the 15th episode, mm. so... So uh, how would you rate this profile as far as accuracy, plausibility, and helpfulness on a scale of one to it ten? It was literally nothing. <laughs> it was the, uh, the like, yeah, the motive was incorrect. Um, the one piece of, the one piece of information was incorrect. incorrect. Uh, so I don't know. Do you get like a two? Like how you get some points for writing your name on the SATs? Maybe a one. Yeah, it was one of the worst. Because it was so long. But that's true. It was, it was full, long and full of useless information. You know, it would have been a good, a better profile of his dad, an actual arsonist. Yeah. But whatever. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the, maybe one of the worst profiles we've had in a really long time. Yeah. I would, I would agree with you. A one. Um, I don't feel like there's any hotch watching to do cause he didn't really do anything here. No. Um, so we won't even touch that, but the next episode. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Is Mosley Lane. <laughs> Stacked top to bottom with amazing guest stars. Yes. Uh, directed by Matthew Gray Goobler. This is his first one, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I'm beyond excited to talk about this one. Yes. It's so good. Well, just, yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> don't start talking <laughs> like, about it I'm now. Gonna, I'm going to go home and watch it right now. You have to wait <laughs> until next time to talk about it. Uh, wherever you're listening, be sure to leave a five-star review. You can find us on Instagram at the Unsub is a White Man and on TikTok under the same name. Our merch is on Redbubble. If you get any, make sure you tag us. We'll share you to our stories. Our theme music is composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And until next week, I'm going to be dying to talk about this new episode. <laughs>